I'm thankful for this day, and I am thankful for every single one of you that are here to celebrate the risen Savior. Matthew chapter 28. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to take them, and we will once again read an account of the resurrection story in just a moment. Like many of you, my inbox... Um, is flooded with oh-so-important information. And one, one message this week caught my attention. It was under the subject of bring home the joy of Easter. And if you know anything about pastors on Easter, we're always looking for another angle, a new way to present just the greatest story that has ever been told. And I was excited about this. It, had a subject line of Maggiano, and I was impressed with the idea that maybe there's an Italian reformer I've not read before, a church father, a theologian, and I was excited as I opened up the email to learn more about celebrating the joy of Easter with Maggiano's insight and wisdom, until I quickly found out it was actually an advertisement for Maggiano's Little Italy and they were talking about a carry-out bundle to celebrate Easter that included four cheese ravioli, 2.5 pounds of country-style baked ham with garlic mashed potatoes, five pieces of chicken uh, parmesan, two tiramisu, and ciabatta bread for the entire family. And I was really disappointed with that email, to tell you the truth. I thought about it, I thought, wow, we need a lot of help, don't we? I need a lot of help. Every single one of us, as we once again watch the sun rise on this day, we have this anticipation, and many people are totally clueless about the majestic truth that exists in the Easter story. I need help. We all do. The best place, the only place, is to go directly to the throne of God. Would you bow your heads and pray with me before we dive into Matthew 28 in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for who you are and we're grateful for this day that you have given to us. You have gifted in your grace a day to celebrate the risen Savior. Father, I would ask that you would be glorified in every word. We think of people that have not regularly remembered or heard of the resurrection story, that today uh, they would be encouraged with the fact that in Christ we certainly all can be made alive. Please grant me wisdom and guidance. May you be glorified. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to read the first eight verses on the resurrection story, the word of the Lord. <clears throat> now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. 
And for fear of him, the guards trembled, and they became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, come, come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead. Behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. The word of the Lord. I, I, I love Easter because it is absolutely foundational. You do understand, think about this, you, you cannot have Easter without Jesus, and you cannot have Jesus without the resurrection. It is the bedrock, not only of who we worship, but of why we worship. I love Easter because at some level it is totally unexplainable. Think about this, dead people do not come back to life. It cannot be fully understood. There has to be faith in one, in, in the only one who is the giver of life, the sustainer of life, the author of eternal life, and it is that one and only one who truly defeated death. And I love Easter because it is absolutely central. Think about everything that we do as a local church. We could not gather. We couldn't sing, teach, or preach. We could not have any hope in Scripture. We would not celebrate communion and certainly not baptism if Jesus Christ had not risen from the dead. So this truth not, not only affects every single one of us today, but do you realize this? It has affected people for millennia. You go back in history. Pliny the Younger was an administrator of the Roman province of Bithynia. He was born about 30 years after Jesus rose from the grave. And the church was young and was exploding in growth so much that, that Pliny the Younger, who, who if you had hired him, you would have loved him. He was a faithful employee. He always was reporting to his boss. He wrote letters to Emperor Trajan, and he says this in AD 112. He says that there's a problem that's happening in this Ro Roman Empire. He said, all of the pagan temples are empty. They're deserted. He asked, what do we do with this? And he literally described what was happening. He said that there's this group of people who are in the habit of meeting on a certain fixed day before it was light. And they sang in alternate verses a hymn to Christ as to a God. And they bound themselves to a solemn oath, not to any wicked deeds. They bound themselves never to commit any fraud or theft or adultery, never to falsify their word nor deny a trust when they should be called upon to deliver it. After that, it was their custom to separate and then reassemble to partake of food, but food of an ordinary, innocent kind. People's behavior, their habits, all changed 
after the resurrection of Jesus. What, what could ever have happened that have caused people to leave pagan religions of dead gods and false gods and commit to faithfully gather together just like this and to pray and to sing and to worship and live honest lives? All the while they're being threatened and even killed. What would ever have happened for over 2,000 years for people to behave like that? Unless Jesus really did rise from the dead. And you sit here this morning and you're like, okay, I get it. But what does that mean for me? How does that impact my life today? I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what it means. At Big Woods Bible Church, we've been studying carefully the book of Genesis. And we are well informed about people named Adam and Eve and a place called the Garden of Eden. And something called sin. And it says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22. It says, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. In Christ shall all be made alive. That's not only our identity is in Christ, but it's what? To be in Christ means that we have accepted his sacrifice for, for our sins, for your sins, and for my sins. We've accepted that when we live now in Christ. Those words were written by a, a man whose name was Paul, and he had formerly been Saul, and he, he hated Christians. He hated, he heard the story of Christ. And Saul was a mean and a miserable man until he met Jesus. And everything changed, and he became a force for the gospel. And he was teaching and preaching, and he was planting churches, and he was writing letters, and, and, and these words that I just read from 1 Corinthians 15 are part of a letter that he wrote to a church that, would forgive me, was totally messed Church at Corinth was a disaster. They had totally thrown out and they were just worshiping however they wanted to worship. In a sense, they were like salt that had lost its saltiness or a light that had been covered. And, and Paul wants to shed light into the darkness of the church at Corinth. And you know where he takes them? He takes them to the resurrection. He takes them right here. The whole book culminates in chapter 15. And he wrote things like this of first importance. Christ died for our sins. He was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with scriptures. More important than anything else is this message. The Apostle Paul wrote words like this, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. If Christ has not been raised, then turn off the lights, lock the doors, and stay home. That's what he's saying. You don't have to spend a lot of time around here. Or around any church that is preaching the gospel to learn that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is both the cornerstone and also the capstone of biblical Christianity. It is the greatest event in the history of mankind. Every single time you write the date at the top of your paper, A.D. 2023, Anno Domino, in the year of our Lord, we give testimony of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you realize that? The prophets wrote about it. 
The gospel writers recorded it. The apostles preached it. And you and I are to tell other people about it after we have believed it ourselves. It is the most magnificent, the most significant expression of the power of God on behalf of the people of God. Do you know why this resurrection thing is so big? It's because you and I got a big problem. We got a big problem. As is my habit, every Easter season, I intentionally go to a cemetery and spend some time in a graveyard. And if you've ever spent any time recently in a cemetery, that's, there's not a lot of action happening there. It's kind of a sad place. There's names and there's dates. And it's kind of morbid. I, I, I was in a cemetery just a couple days ago. And this is creepy, okay? Forgive me. Usually we see names that are typical for this area. Miller and Englert and Weaver. Like they're all around. And I saw the name Boger. And I was like, wow. I was like, check the name on it. Check the date just in case. And we are, we are reminded, we are confronted. What? All of us have one big, ugly problem that's twofold. It's not two problems. It's one problem that's twofold. It's sin and death. It's not sin or death. It's sin and death. You cannot separate the two. Sin brings death, and death is the result of sin, period. Again, in our church here, go back to the very book of beginnings, Genesis chapter 2. And it says this, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Hey, hey, guess, guess what happened? They ate it. Did you ever tell your son or your daughter, son, don't touch that? And they, of course, listened perfectly the first time, right? They ate it. Genesis chapter 5, verse 5 records thus, all the days of Adam were what? 930 years and he died. It says it in Scripture. In my Bible, those words, and he died, are underlined. And it says that he had a son whose name was Seth. And it says that he died. And he had a son whose name was Enosh. And he died. And he had a son who had a son who had a son. And the list goes on. Methuselah and Lamech and Noah and Shem and Terah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And there's a long list of names. Moses and Joshua and David and Solomon. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Silas, Paul, Barnabas. Guess what? They all died. With the exception of two. We know that what? Only Enoch and Elijah are exceptions because God directly intervened and took them unto himself and that's God's prerogative. But guess what? Everyone else died. And ladies, don't think for a moment that you get left out here. Okay, the list is long. Even Sarah and Rebecca, I'm sure they were adorable. Guess what? They're all dead. Rachel and Hannah and Esther and Bathsheba and Rahab and, and Mary and Phoebe and Priscilla and Lydia, all of them, they are all dead. 
For as in Adam, all die. And you're like, I get it, okay? I've been to the cemetery. There's not a lot happening there. We get it. There's this verse I was reading this week. It was not part of my original message as I began to, to craft this. I had Maggiano's. I was really, really getting hungry for Italian. And there was this verse that literally, it, it like, it jumps off the pages, and it says this in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It is appointed unto man once to die. And you're hearing that, and you're saying, Happy Easter to you too. No, no, but then there's this phrase. Hebrews chapter 9, it is appointed unto man once to die. And then there's this phrase, and there's three words, and it says this, and after that, and I was like, wait, wait a minute. Wow, you've been to a cemetery lately? lately? And after that, it, it, it implies a lot of people think that when you like physically fall over dead, 78.7 years on average, the clock never stops. A lot of people think that when you die, that's it. You just go into the ground and then like something happens that we're not allowed to go see what happens in there. But like we don't see that. But let, let me pause and, and let, me, let me remind you, I want to make something very, very clear. There's this phrase, appointed unto man once to die, and after that, that means something happens here. What is it? Let me remind you that you were created in the image of God. We call it the Imago Dei. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Which means that what mankind is unique is different from everything else that lives. All the plants, all the animals, different than mankind. It says in scripture, the psalmist says in 139, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. So hear me on this. Just as God, who we are created in his likeness, we are to reflect his image, just as God is eternal, there is what? There is a part of you that is eternal. A part of you. Your soul is eternal. It will live forever in one of two places. And you know what those places are. One is called heaven, and the other is called hell. The difference here between mankind and the animal kingdom, your soul lives on. You ever realize that's why we don't do funerals for the groundhogs and the deer that we see on the side of the road? Like We don't do that. Something different exists with us. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, created in the image of God, and your soul is eternal. That's the reason that we want to take this moment right now. But I only come to church once a year, Pastor. Hey, well, then you need to hear this. The reason, the importance of preparing now for what's going to happen, what? After you die. Thus, the reason, the importance of trusting and knowing what? So also, as it says, in Christ, in Christ shall all be made alive. In Christ, 
accepting his sacrifice on the cross for your sins. At the crucifixion, Friday, we commemorated what? As Jesus cries out his last words, it is finished. Everything has, everything has been done. The resurrection angel, we just read those words, says what? He is not here. He is risen. Everything that we do is centered around the cross and the tomb. Everything. It's one message. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's good news in a bad news world. Listen to the news and we're like, whoa, what is happening here? People don't even want to get up in the morning. People don't want to go outside. And yet there's good news that says what? Jesus Christ has accomplished the work. Has paid for your sins and my sins. And now what? The responsibility is on us. As he draws us unto himself. And you being here this morning as part of the Holy Spirit's work in your life. You will forever remember this day, this time, right now. Think about this. The reign of sin and the big problem that we have of death is over. The reign to the slavery of sin in your life. It is done, conquered once and for all through the Lord Jesus Christ. What I love about the resurrection is that really all four gospels speak of it and no one actually is an eyewitness to the resurrection. Like no one actually saw, right? They didn't need to. All they needed to know is that they saw Jesus dead and then they saw Jesus alive again. More than 500 people give testimony of that. You realize as well that none of the gospel writers tried to explain the resurrection. Like how do you explain the physiology of it, the pathology of it? It can't be explained. It's beyond explanation. There is no rational explanation. It's a supernatural miracle like what? Creation. Everything. Ex nihilo. Out of nothing. You can't explain this. Why? Because the sovereign creator, redeemer, God is not limited to the laws of nature and science. He made the laws. Resurrection of Jesus Christ is so significant it impacts everything. Not, not only how we look at life, but how we look at death thankfully and here it is here's the good news in romans chapter 10 it says if you confess jesus as lord and believe in your heart and i love this phrase that god raised him from the dead you will be saved which means you will be fine forever and ever. And the flip side is what? If you do not confess, if you do not believe in your heart, then you will not, you cannot be saved. Think about this. If there is no resurrection, there is no redemption. If there's no resurrection, there's no hope for us. If Christ didn't raise from the dead, how could there ever, ever be any hope? of you being raised from the curse of sin and death. We've all watched the Nat Geo specials 
and the Discovery Channel specials this time of year on the resurrection of Jesus. And I find it fascinating that, what, 2,000 years ago, they're still trying to give some kind of an explanation as to why this event impacts people today. Like, they're still trying, like, why, like, why do people show up? Like, what was it? You realize that people's lives were radically and dramatically affected, just like your life today is to be radically and dramatically impacted because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You, you go back in history and you can't explain it. The early church, literally, they are what? One moment they are hiding in rooms with locked doors, terrified, cowardly, hoping that no one finds them. And yet, after the resurrection, what happens? There is, there is a boldness. There is an explosion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How does that happen? By the third century, over half the Roman Empire claimed to follow Jesus Christ. How does that happen in Christ? Shall all be made alive. How, how does it happen that biblical Christianity today has reached what? Every single country. Every nick and cranny and every corner of every remote country and continent on the face of the entire globe has access to, and if they don't have access to, then people are leaving by the tens of thousands to say, you've got to hear what I've heard. You've got to believe what I believe. And we have young people that are living what? Fearlessly. Going to difficult and dark and dangerous places and they are not trembling in fear but people do this willingly and cheerfully. How does that happen in Christ? Shall all be made alive. How, how, how does it happen that what just over 30 years ago there was a small group, it was a small little group of college students that met at Lock Haven University just, just to share life together, to study the Bible, to gather together and, and sing. And how does that little, little group of people grow to be what? An entire church that is building relationships so that God is glorified and lives are literally transformed through the gospel of Jesus Christ unless what? In Christ. In Christ shall all be made alive. Some people are here today and you think that it's not for you. Some people sadly think that I've messed up too much. And there's really no, there's no hope for me. I'm just here because somebody invited me and I don't want to be rude. So, so what does this mean for me today? I tell you a story of a, a man that I met some time back and I had the privilege just like some of you have had the privilege of just inviting someone to church just, just come with me just come with me and he came and, and he trusted Christ he was introduced to Christ and he trusted Christ and I had the privilege of baptizing him 
And, and I asked, would you share your story? And he did. His name is Mark. And he said this, and I quote, I was born into a home where my father was an alcoholic and abusive. At one point, he put a gun to my mother's head and he threatened to kill her. They divorced when I was young. I was a little boy with a lot of anger. By the time I was 12 years old, in seventh grade, I was kicked out of school for fighting. I was put into juvenile detention. I had a horrible temper. I was moved to several groups' home and, and boys' homes. And as I grew older, I got involved in drinking and drugs and fighting more and more. And I ended up in and out of jail for more than 20 years. And he says this, I quote, my life was a wreck. I was a wreck. He said, this past fall, the week after Labor Day, I came to this church for the first time and I heard about Jesus. I love coming to church. I love to sing about Jesus. I met many people who love Jesus, and I am learning, and I am growing, and I don't get drunk anymore. I'm different than I used to be. I still struggle with my temper, but I'm learning that Jesus can help me to forgive others because I know that he has forgiven me. How, 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 how does that happen apart from what in Christ shall all be made alive. Can I ask you not, not to waste this moment? Can I ask you not, not to waste this minute to be reminded of why the veil was torn? That we don't have to worship outside any longer. That we have direct access to God Almighty. And how can we as sinners have a relationship with a holy God except what Christ made a way for us? He tore the veil and he says what? Follow me. Take up your cross. Wherever I go, I want you to go. At some level, we are reminded even today of the importance of this very moment. And I know that our minds are on what? There's a basket waiting for me with chocolate in it and jelly beans. Or there's four cheese ravioli, whatever it is. Before we get to that, let me remind you of a couple verses, and I'll close with this. Romans chapter 5. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Down to verse 17 of Romans 5. For if because of one man's trespass death reigned throughout that, 
one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let, let, me, let me remind you that as Easter, we want to offer you a gift, a free gift, according to what it says in Scripture. And my prayer is that as we close in standing and singing together, that you would place your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That today would be the day of salvation. And you can sing, and you can sing loud, rejoicing. And when we say, he is risen, you can respond, he is risen indeed, with a joy and a celebration, knowing that not only did Jesus love you enough to die on the cross for your sins, but he didn't stay dead. He rose to the newness of life, so that we too, you, can walk in the newness of life. Father, we love you, and we just pray that you would continue to work. Allow this message to be, to be heard not just right now, but in our hearts, in our minds, throughout the rest of this day and this week. We thank you that you love us enough to offer your own son to die in our place. I would pray, Lord, that today we would receive afresh and anew the wonderful truth of the good news of Jesus. Thank you for this time you've blessed us with. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.